Hey, it's Garen here. Inflation keeps rising. There won't be a better time than right now to replace the roof following the storm damage. Let the Shamrock team treat you to a free inspection and will replace the damage with the best roof at the best price. One call does it all at shamrockroofer.com. Way out west there was this fella, fella I want to tell you about, fella by the name of Todd Lebo. At least that was the handle his loving parents gave him, and he never had much use for it himself. This Lebo. He called himself Lebo. Sometimes there's a man, well, he's the man for his time and place. He fits right in there. And that's Todd Liabo. Kansas City. I hate Levo. La, 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 You know, Beard's made a point there as the intro is playing. For once, Todd Lebo is way out west. I am. The one and only Todd Lebo. Live some... You're technically in, in surprise right now, right? Correct. I'm in surprise and I'm outdoors and I don't see any tumbleweeds going by. Um, like there are in that intro to the Big Lebowski, but I am way out west. You're There's way no question about that. You're way out west in a beautiful place to be at a beautiful time of year out there in Surprise, Arizona. Uh, if you're just joining us and going, who the hell? Where is Jason? Jason's out today. We we've got him literally day to day on the injury report. Um, so uh, thoughts and prayers literally. there. Literally day to day. Josh Briscoe, Beards McFly, with you here in studio. But Lebo in Arizona for spring training. How's it been out there so so far, Lebo? You uh, you enjoying the sun? Oh, you know I love the sun. I know you're a big uh, sun I guy. My, I have my big bucket hat. I've worn long pants every day and long sleeve shirts and put 70 SPF on my hands and any exposed skin. Good. That's what I do. Good. We're, we're I'm keeping standing you... in the shade right now, so that's that's what I do. Oh, are we getting, we're getting standing energy for this segment, though. You are on your feet right now? Always on my feet for you, oh, man. man. Always right. on my feet. Beard, you got it. Can you move the Can you move the camera for me? I'm gonna I'm gonna stand, stand up. And, up. I'm standing up in studio also in solidarity. Beards, I'd really appreciate it if you would also stand after you finish uh, fixing the camera for me. We're gonna all we're gonna be on uh, on six feet's worth of uh, of standing energy. Beards, beards is still seating. I'll tell you what, I have both feet on the ground. All right, so me and Lebo are going to stand, and Beards can do whatever he needs to do to make sure we uh, we stay on the air. Um, uh, we'll we'll get to the kind of the news of the day here in just a second, but but genuinely, what what have the first uh, couple of days out there been like so far to uh, to have a little baseball back in our lives? Well, it's pretty cool, you know. I mean, I haven't been out in three years, right? Ever since the the months right before the or the month right before the pandemic hit. And that was all brand new and fresh as well, because Mike Matheny had just taken the job. And mm. Now here we are three years later, and, and Matty Quattrara has just taken the job. So it's kind of like uh, the what is old is new again mm-hmm. or whatever. But there's there's certainly um, – we've talked to a lot of people, and you'll hear a lot of these interviews on with Seren and just chit-chatting around with some of these guys. I, I'm blown away, Josh, by just how smart and intuitive these guys are who they've hired. You know, Brian Sweeney, the new pitching coach, Matt Quattraro, the manager. I'm not saying the other guys weren't, but this is kind of feels like new baseball. Yeah. Um, you know, not old school baseball. So it's different. This is definitely a different feel. I think we've kind of gone through in the last, like, you know, what, eight years or whatever, 
mean, the Royals with Dayton Moore and Ned Yost were very kind of old school. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, people talk about analytics and whatever, data shifting, blah, blah, blah. Not that they were totally resistant to it, although I think Ned was resistant to it. Mm-hmm. Listen, they won a World Series and went to two. But he used to joke, not joke, he would say, yeah, they gave me a lineup. The, the data people give me a lineup every day, and then he fills his lineup out. <laughs> but Salcides Escobar first. <laughs> <laughs> And then Mike Matheny was really kind of like an old school guy, but trying to be new school. Yeah. And I think what they have now is some some true believers. And uh, I think a lot of people try to pigeonhole J.J. Piccolo as just Dayton Moore's guy because he was with him. But I think they're very different people. And I think it's a little little different way to look at baseball. And this has been a sea change. And it'll be interesting to see if it works, right? Um, But I think there's reason to be excited about the future of the franchise. That's what I'll say. There's there's at least one really obvious like answer on the front end here that I'll just offer this one for free. But in terms of of that excitement making its way uh, from surprise back here to Kansas City, where right now I I feel like spring training kind of snuck up on us. I, I feel like the excitement levels around here right now are not about not about baseball in any particular shape or form. Now, obviously, again, the obvious answer is that football season goes through February now and it never really ends in Kansas City. Um, the Big Twelve yes. is outrageous and we. We are not even a tournament time yet, so obviously basketball owns the the next phase of our calendar. But do you think that there is a um, a sort of a deflation among Royals fans that they're going to have to kind of win back over again? Is it just a matter of where the calendar is at? How how are you kind of witnessing that now with you actually getting to be there where, where it is happening at the moment? Well, they're all in out here, no question. Sure. But what you're talking about is the is the community, and I, I think there's a big wait and see attitude with this community. And I've said this a dozen times. I don't really feel bad for billionaires, <laughs> right? Uh, especially ones that have enough money to have a billion dollars and go buy a baseball team, right? Which John Sherman did. But you got a little empathy for a guy who who his life was to own a major league baseball team, his dream. He made enough money to do it, and then uh, the world shut down. Yep. And then okay, all right, after that. Hey, your baseball partner uh, is taking off many of the streaming and cable places that people like to watch him. Yeah. And, okay, you can't have any fans at the park. And, hey, let's have a work stoppage. Let's do that, too, okay? Yeah. Uh, so it has not been easy for them. And I think the community has felt that. I mean, you know, how many people did you hear complain that were like YouTube TV subscribers yep. who couldn't watch Royals games last year? That you, I mean, early on there were some complaints, but it did not take long to shift gears and move to another part of, of their lives. So I think there's definitely some winning over. And, they're, and in, the, in the meantime, they're trying to, to build support to build a baseball stadium downtown. Mm-hmm. There's a lot going on with this franchise right now. No question about that. And I do think this city loves the Royals. I think this city wants good things for the Royals. But, you know, we don't have 20 million people here to divide the whole thing up. Right. And right now, you know, someone on the Chiefs, uh, you know, stubs their toe. It's the biggest <laughs> thing in the world. And the Royals need to earn it back. But I, I remember, man, when, when the Royals got good in uh, you know, the end of 13 and obviously 14 and 15, I mean, the Chiefs were, were – I mean, Andy Reid was the coach of the Chiefs. You know, they were made the playoffs. And in 2015, the day the Royals won the World Series, they were over playing a game at 8 in the morning in London. And I don't think for about a month there anyone gave a rip about the Chiefs. Yeah. So if you win, you will get the attention of this city. I know that.
Yeah, absolutely. Um, you mentioned the stadium thing, and we haven't played in any of the clips back of it, but I, I had a chance to listen to a, a good chunk of John Sherman's conversation. Of course, there's been a lot more baseball going on in the program because Stern's down there and can talk to a lot of those people. Started yesterday, continues today, starting at 2. But um, was there anything so far that's been new to you on the stadium front or, or even just sort of the Cliff's Notes versions of what you found interesting so far uh, with what we heard from Sherman? Well, I don't think I had heard him say before the really complicated nature of separating from the Chiefs in the lease mm. before it's over, mm-hmm. okay? Because there's a lot of things in there to keep these teams together. Mm. And then I don't think I'd really heard him say before yesterday that it, it very well could be that they will have separate leases, and that makes more sense. I know they're, they're, they're separate stadiums now, but they're in the same area, so that's where they're on the same lease. Mm-hmm. So those are things. I, I just want us to all keep our eyes on the relationship between these two franchises who have been tied together with these uh, leases at the stadium since 1972 or whatever because I'm going to tell you something there's no such thing as a as an easy divorce right right or right. a breakup or whatever and I think this there the devil will be in the details on all of these things on how they'll get out who gets what where it goes I mean there's there's so many things that they need to figure out on infrastructure and all that besides just hey we want to build some retail and some housing and a ballpark that's easy to do but you want to get people to be able to get there that could be state federal money I mean all kinds of things on if especially um, where they're looking at going downtown especially on that East, East Village party it, listen we had how many you had some issues getting around downtown for the parade, okay? Yeah, I sure we did. Go over those. I sure now, did. There's a whole lot less people will be in a baseball game right. than that. And, and hopefully many of the they'll will already be there. Have some walkways. Well, they hope they'll already be there. I mean they, they want to have people who are Josh Briscoe's age who live downtown and love baseball. Sure. Yeah. And walk to the game from one light, you know. Yep. I don't know if that that's another thing entirely. That's a different uh, can of fish, as, as Danny Clayton would say. <laughs> uh, kettle of fish, he would say, uh, to get them interested in, in baseball. But there's a lot happening here. And, I, I mean, listen, John Sherman's a smart guy. He, he's smart in business. And this is going to be a business thing going on here. Yeah. This is the business part of it on, on the stadium and all the stuff for the government and all those things. Well, let's talk about some of the baseball then. We uh, we mentioned a little earlier that uh, the news today from Matt Quattrero is that outfielder Drew Waters has a left oblique strain, will be out for six weeks. Um, there's a lot more going on in terms of what the rest of that center field job and that competition might look like. I, I know you are uh, there for all that. So anything you need to set up before we uh, we hear what Matt Quattrero had to say about it? Well, let's just go ahead and play it. You know, yesterday he told us that there was a bit of an oblique with Drew Waters that a couple of days before, I guess, he'd, he'd, he didn't say if it was a strain or a tweak yesterday, but today he filled us in on the details. So Drew is left oblique strain, um, going to be shut down from activity, approximate return about six weeks. And what that does to the competition just gives a lot more at-bats to other guys to spread around in the spring. And I think that's one thing that J.J.'s done a good job of putting together some versatile guys, so infielders that can bounce to the outfield as well as guys that can play multiple positions in the outfield. Is Kyle Isbell kind of the, the leading candidate for the starting center field job? I don't know if that's something you can talk about right now. I mean, we're going to give him every opportunity to, to, to grab that spot. Yeah, I mean, he's an elite defender um, and somebody that we think highly of, so so that he would probably be the guy in the lead, yeah. What does it take to play center field at Kauffman Stadium? Elite jumps, routes. I mean, it's you're asking because it's huge, you know, and that's what you need. You need somebody that can really run, somebody that can cover a lot of ground, and, and more so than anything, get good jumps on the ball so that they're in the right spot. 
you have options there, right? I mean, you, I think you like the athleticism of a lot of your young yeah. outfielders. Yeah, you're exactly right. Yeah, there's guys. That's why I'm saying, you know, it could be people that aren't necessarily outfielders, too. You know, we've got a lot of good multi-purpose guys that play the infield and the outfield. Any center field option for you guys? I would think we'll put him out there some. I mean, the way I view him is he can play everywhere. So we'll see where he's most comfortable. At some point, you want to be fair to him, too, and put him in the best spots for for his success. So I'm not really sure how much that's in one corner, center, third, whatever it is. If you couldn't hear that last name, Andy Rogers was asking about Nate Eaton as the last name, as an option. When when they... um, you know, when they traded Michael A. Taylor and they talked to us about that, one of the reasons they, they felt they could trade him is they felt they had a lot of really good options. Now, I think their their first option was Drew Waters. Yeah. Now, six weeks is a pretty long time. So, that I mean, you're talking about that's that's opening day yeah. is, is in danger at that point. Um, I saw Drew in the, in the clubhouse today. He's not, like, walking around hurt. Mm-hmm. But I think you're going to be extra cautious because we've seen how obliques go with, with, with baseball players. Yeah. If you aggravate it, it can really be a long time. Um, so this is very disappointing for Drew to have this oblique injury right now because this was a big opportunity for him. You know, they traded for him, this, if you can recall. This is the player who was a big, hot prospect for the Braves. Mm-hmm. Who the, the Royals actually traded a draft pick for last year. And he, he got to the major leagues, and I, he had some, some highlight moments. He's a pretty good player, very athletic guy, and, and I think this was going to be a huge opportunity when they traded Michael A. Taylor away that he could be someone who could step in and, and realize his dreams of being a major leaguer and really take control of his situation in center field. But it's tough for him to have that happen. So that's the, I guess that's the bad news of what's happened at camp so far. Yeah. I mean, like you said, six weeks is a long time. And, and also, I, I think you just answered this preemptively, but I, I am I'm circling back to make sure, not because I didn't listen the first time, but Drew Waters would have been the Royals' first choice to win that job, right? If you said someone someone just outright wins it, they're the starter opening day, that's the, the what highest upside of the guys, right? Yeah, I think so. I think he was – I mean, they really do like Isbell, too. They think he can play in the outfield. He got little chances here and there at different mm-hmm. spots last year, but not much in center. So, But I do think Drew Waters looks – like a center fielder, right? He's yeah. a little taller, a little lankier. Isla's a little bit shorter. He may uh, be more of a, of a right fielder, but he'll get his chance now. This is a great opportunity for him. You know, that baseball's about opportunity. Sure. If you get your chance to go out and play a bunch, then you can... I, I still think of Nicky Lopez, who basically had <laughs> been told, you're done, right? You're not going to get to play. And then Alberto Mondesi, might have been an oblique, could have been a shoulder, can't remember. Yeah. Yeah. It's tough to keep all the Mondesi things together. And then Nicky Lopez got a chance, and he turned into a major leaguer. Yep. Like, not just a guy who got up every once in a while. So it's a big opportunity for Isbell at this point, I think. Are there any other battles to this point that you are finding interesting? Or I, I'm I'm genuinely trying to kind of go through and, and figure out, you know, what's up in the air for a team that has so much kind of in transition. Um, but I don't, I don't know if there's necessarily a, a training camp style positional battle that, that jumps to mind. Well, there's, I mean, lots of spots in the bullpen, obviously, and who's sure. going to be in the rotation. And, and Quattraro won't really give us much on that. I mean, it's so early. They're going to start playing games on Friday, and we'll we'll see that a little bit more. But that's when, listen, when you're the Royals and you, there's nothing really set you. Bobby Witt is set, okay? Right. <laughs> Salvador Perez is set. You know, Vinny Pasquantino probably feels like he's the first baseman, but what if Nick Prado has some amazing spring? You know what sure. I mean? I mean, there's a lot of options there. Hunter Dozier is going to get a chance to play third base more than in the outfield right now. They've told him that. He's going to be like a third base guy. Um, we're going to hear from MJ Melendez here in a second. We'll talk about him. But 
he, he's a catcher, but, you know, Salvador Perez is a catcher yep. on this team. And he's under contract. He's got a closet of, of gold gloves. So MJ Melinda is going to play in the corner outfields, too. I mean, he's going to do all those things. So there, there's not a whole lot set here with this team, which is, I guess, exciting and scary at the same time. Yeah. Um, because they're, they're just in a real transitional phase trying to get these young players in. We saw it after the trade deadline last year when all the young guys came up. And even probably actually before the trade deadline, really we saw a lot of this in that Toronto series when a yeah. bunch of the team couldn't make the trip because of the vaccination policy. Yeah. And, and you know, lots of people are like, I'll watch these guys play. You know, so yeah. here's the deal. You're going to watch these guys play now. Yeah. <laughs> you got your wish. You're going to watch these guys play now. Uh, it's funny, yeah, because going through and trying to think of, like, battles is a little bit of a different feeling than it just kind of being fluid. Like, there's, there's not a lot set in stone, but I don't know know if that is if that is a, a a measure of yeah a lot of guys just have to prove some stuff still as opposed to like oh man look at all these head to head all these guys could start for 20 other teams but it, it really is just what i guess a, a matter of figuring out who your who your building blocks are still because no one's i don't know how you manage expectations in the first year of a new administration with all these young guys and everything but it, it does sort of feel like that to me like this is this is about figuring out who's foundational and, and figuring out who's who's replaceable well, it's a, it's a good time to have a regular spring training for this group, too. True. Because, you know, last year, the lockout and all that, it's a really good time to have have some games and lots of games. They'll take all the split squad games they can get, right? Mm-hmm. They'll play They'll play every day to find out what these guys are all about. I mean, you know, it, it, this is just me being in, in general terms. I like Nicky Lopez. I think he's, like I said, seized his opportunity and turned into a major leaguer. Mm-hmm. But the Royals would probably be a better team if Michael Massey Proved to be an everyday second baseman. Sure, that would probably be a better upside for them. Um, you know, in a perfect world, like Vinny Pascantino is your first baseman, Michael Massey's your second baseman, Bobby Witt is playing short. Let's say Hunter Dozier finds a spark mm-hmm. from a couple of years ago and plays well, and Nicky Lopez is utility guy. That'd be great right. for them. Yeah. Um, but, but we'll see. I mean, it's it's tough. Baseball's tough. There's no question about that. Well, you mentioned that we could hear from MJ Melendez in your conversation with him. I'd love to do that because I'm very curious about where he's going to fit into uh, to this roster. Obviously, a spot is is a big part of it, but where exactly is that going to be defensively? How are they going to use them? And uh, anything else we need to know from uh, from your guys' conversation here? Yeah, we'll we'll get into that about in the middle of it. And um, you know, listen, here's the deal: if if MJ Melendez hits, he's going to be on the Major League Baseball team. Yep, they'll find somewhere because he's a good hitter. Yep. So that's the most important thing: he's got to be able to hit. Listen, I think he'd like to be a catcher. You'll hear me ask him that question. He doesn't flat out say, "Yeah, I only want to be a catcher," but I think he'd rather be a catcher if he could get that part of it done. But I started the conversation basically just about: listen, you you've got a camp, you got a brand new manager, and a lot of different changes around camp right now. Um, it's definitely different. Um, I don't know if I can say a lot different as we've only had like one full day of, you know, everybody there, everybody here. Um, I've been here for a couple weeks now, but uh, it's a good feeling. I mean, being back here with all the guys, you know, um, coming into camp, uh, having spent some time in the major leagues last year, um, definitely coming in with a, with a new mindset and uh, just kind of hungry and ready to get after it. A lot, of, a lot of fans want to know about these like new rule changes, right? Which one of these rule changes do you think would be the thing that Major League fans notice the most? Uh, probably the pitch clock, pitch timer, um, just like the speed of the game. Uh, I know that we've talked about it, especially like we had a lot of day games last year that you know were really long. Um, that game's kind of on and off just depends, but I feel like 
just being able to speed up the game and uh, you know have fans be more interactive in them. How, how, how big is the adjustment period for guys who maybe haven't dealt with that, who've just been in the majors long enough to where they didn't have Yeah, I mean, that's that's going to be the thing that I think a lot of people notice and that we're kind of eager to see is, like, guys that, you know, for us on our team, like Salvi, that has been in the league for a long time and, you know, is not used to anything like that. You know, guys on other teams that, um, you know, you got guys like Mike Trout, um, you know, pitchers like Justin Verlander, Max Scherzer, all those guys that have been in the league for, for years and years. So it's like, okay, let's see how, you know, these new rules kind of affect them. I mean, maybe don't want to be the umpire that calls a ball on Max Scherzer if he didn't throw the ball in time. That may not go great, huh? No, exactly. 100% that. And, like, imagine, you know, like, having to call a strike on Salvi because he's not ready in the box. Like, that's just something that a lot of those umpires, especially the umpires that are, you know, have been in the game for a long time, that they are probably, you know, going to take some adjusting and see how they handle it as well. So where are you right now? I mean, you're going to catch? You're going to play some left field, right? What have they kind of told you about it? Yeah, I think, like, catch, catch, corner outfield, whether it be right field or left field, um, kind of both. Um, And just, you know, doing whatever is needed to me that day. And um, obviously, you know, Salvi's going to catch. And then, you know, whenever he's not catching, I'm assuming I would probably be back there. You know, there's some uh, been some talk outside about, like, pitch framing and stuff like that on catching. Is there uh, a new emphasis on that here? And yeah, yeah ideas? It's, been, it's been really, really good, actually. I feel like I've made a lot of progress. I feel my frame has been the best as it's ever been right now. I feel like I'm able to really dominate, um, you know, the zone with, with my receiving right now. And something that uh, Paul Hoover has done a really good job with, uh, with me and Salvi so far and um, just helping us kind of, you know, get better. Uh, something that we, we, for me, was like weakness last year, and I feel like it's uh, starting to become a strength behind the plate. I mean, like your your goal, like five years from now, you want to be a catcher, you want to be an outfielder. I mean, where, where, where's your heart still, I guess? <laughs> it just depends, honestly. I just, you know, go out there and want to play ball every single day and kind of whatever happens, happens, and uh, just got to be the best player I can, really. There's, I don't really think about it too much right now. So what about your, uh, you know, this group of young guys, right? You were up here last year, and especially at the end of the year after the trade deadline, the group was really young, so you guys have got some time together. What do you feel like you guys can achieve this year? And maybe got a little head start on last year with some of the you know time at the end of the year. Yeah, just having a fresh start, just going out there being ourselves and uh, out there trying to win ball games. I think last year when a lot of the guys came up, um, you know, we already you know didn't have the best record, didn't have you know any momentum kind of going with us. I think this year starting fresh and um, having the the guys that are vets this year, um, you know, really pushed us to be better and uh, are really encouraging us to kind of just go out there and be ourselves. I feel like it's going to be exciting. It's going to be fun to kind of, uh, you know, be at the field and, and have that dynamic. The, the expectations outside this club, when you look around at the projections and stuff, aren't high. Where do you guys have your expectations? Um, I think we can definitely probably perform much above those. And, you know, we don't really look at those things, but I think just going out there and try to win every single game, um, obviously. And uh, we don't really look at it as like we're just like a young team that's like in the future we feel like we're, we're ready and we're able to compete right now and um, you know even though most people may not see that we, we believe in ourselves and I feel like uh, that'll kind of show itself in, in due time. And we're a long way before the opening of the season but like how important will it to be to kind of get some positive reinforcement early on that front like win some games early and kind of not get Yeah I mean it's, it's always important to get off to a great start I mean and you've seen it in the past where teams get off to a good start and then just you know don't end up finishing off well or they you know get off to a poor start and they end up finishing off well so um, it, it doesn't it's not an end all be all but I think it is always great to kind of have that first you know those first couple of games just get off to a really good start and uh, start the season off on the right foot 
That's MJ Melendez, Royals catcher slash outfielder down here in Surprise at Spring Training. We're brought to you down here by Walk-Off Wood Bat Company in St. Joseph, Missouri, where every bat is meticulously crafted with the highest of standards. Learn more about their elite-level customized bats at wowbats.com. Josh, I, the interesting stuff there in the middle about the, the, the time, the pitch clock, yeah. and all that stuff will be fascinating to watch early. I can't wait to see someone call a, a strike on a batter or a ball on a pitcher for not doing what they're supposed to do in time. It'll be wild. Yeah, that is exactly where I was going to go because we, we haven't really talked about that very much on this show yet, and I imagine it will become a, a major part of conversation. On the other side, I, uh, I saw a picture of the new bases next to the old bases, and if I didn't see them side by side, I never would have noticed. Yeah, you probably not. Uh, it'll be a difference. You know, the baseball's a game of inches. Well, sure. Right? So every, every bit counts there. And it'll probably make stolen bases. I mean, it's you're talking about half a foot less to run. So that, that, that all matters somewhere. But I, the, the, the thing I'm one, I am going to be, like, probably really looking at a lot will be the, the clock. Yes. And staying in the box and, you know, the... the you're, you were always supposed to stay in the box mm-hmm. for the last I don't know how many years unless there was a foul ball or a ball was put into play somehow. But and pe- people just didn't do it. They're going to have to now, you know, because when they – I was talking to a couple other guys, like you hit a like – like say you hit a pop-up or something and it's going out of play, and, you know, th- they'll start that clock when the umpire throws the ball. The umpire may throw the ball back mm. to the pitcher before that thing hits the ground, mm-hmm. you know, or hits a fan out there somewhere. So you better better have yourself ready. But they're going to work on a lot. I mean, spring training is important for this part of it. They'll they'll be doing all those things. But I'm fascinated to see how that works. And you know, some of these guys, I always think pitchers work when they're working fast. It's usually better. Yeah. And it's when they start thinking too much, it's bad for them. And if you're working slow and you get a ball called on you, it's going to. Some of these guys who maybe aren't as mentally strong as they should be will probably unravel before your eyes. It'll mm. be amazing. And so I'm I'm excited about it. But the, the yeah. data is. Major, minor league baseball games were 22 minutes faster last year I'll with, take this, it. with these pitch clock rules. And because, and listen, it's the, the same number of pitches and things happening. That's Just right. Squeeze it in and make it faster. Right. You know? it, it's not, hey, we're cutting Action. two innings off the end of the game to get you home 20 minutes earlier. It's just that standing around Nomar Garcia para time, you know, the, the patron saint right. of adjusting his batting gloves. Oh, I love Lorenzo Cain, but he was yep. he was in the same deal, man. He yep. got out every time. And, you know, I think Salvi is going to be one to watch. He's been a batting glove guy, too. A little adjusting and stuff Wasn't like Omar that. Wasn't Omar Infante a big you know? batting glove guy, too? I seem to remember uh, that yes. one being egregious. Omar. They were, they would, and sometimes, you know, you'd seen guys recently, they would keep one foot in and the other foot out mm-hmm. and then, like, adjust their gloves. I don't think that's going to work anymore. You yeah. Just, you keep your feet on the ground, in there, and the pitchers are going to have to... You know, and you know, last year, remember they started this thing with the little pitch calling things, the little wristband and the thing in your head mm-hmm. uh, to try to kind of quicken this stuff up so you're not going through signs 75 times and then yeah. the Astros cheat on you. Right. So um, they're doing things to make the game go quicker. It's pace of play. It's like you said, it's not making the game eight innings or six innings. It's making making it go quicker and you get more action while you're there. So it, it'll be fun to watch for sure. Hearing Ned Yost be generally positive about all of the changes was really whenever I realized that uh, we are we are truly in a new time. So, ha- have you gotten a field down Ned's there? Ned's positive because he's retired. That's true. Right? It's <laughs> not his Ned's baseball anymore. He, he would have been different. I, that's that's <laughs> been probably different. true. The feel I've gotten, you know, the, the word that Matt Quattraro said yesterday, it's going to be chaos. 
okay, <laughs> because there's be a lot of stuff. But most of that chaos will be in spring training, I think. But, uh, you know, for the Royals, a lot of these guys have already done this because they're coming up from the minor leagues. It's the guys who have been around for a long time who have never had any of these rules in place. They'll be the ones that have the bigger adjustment. They'll have to yeah. get themselves ready. But I think, I think generally speaking, uh, you know, I was talking to Vinny Pasquantino today. He's like, you know, we're down in the minor leagues just and they're playing games to get done in two and a half hours. It's yeah. great. You know, I mean, listen, these guys, their union sets rules on travel so they can get places and, and get there faster and have their bodies rested and all that stuff. You know what's better for that? Don't have a four-hour and five-minute nine-inning game. Yeah, absolutely. Have a, have a two-hour and 30-minute nine-inning game, and then you've, the, you know, the, the union is behind these things. They, they, everyone's, well, they, they'll say they aren't because no one wants to agree with management, but they <laughs> should be behind these things. Get the thing done faster, you know? And I, so I think that from what I've heard around the Royals, generally speaking, everyone is into this and is excited about it. Yeah, and I, I think another element of it that goes back, and maybe this is a bit of a straw man at this point, and maybe we can just blow away the straw man with uh, the leaf blower in the background, is is this idea that, like... It happens, buddy. We're it just here. happens. It's, look, no, I know, man. You're, it's, you're on, you are on yeah. site right now at spring training. It's beautiful. It's the sights and sounds. But it's it's not just yes. like we everyone's trying to get home half an hour earlier. But even I, I watched some XFL football this weekend because I have a football based sickness, and it's the only way that I can you know stave that off. But the, you know, not having commercial breaks after, after between uh, touchdowns and kickoffs and stuff like that keeps the keeps the product more visually entertaining. It it keeps you engaged, which means more of that sport in your life. It's just less of that that. That interlude time, and as we get away from that, I just, I like you said, I think it's good for the players and the coaches who are traveling. It should be good for the TV product. It should be good for everybody's ability to cover it and watch it and enjoy it more where you're not doping around on your phone, you know, between every single pitch. There was a, an old uh, Pitching Ninja video that I saw yesterday of uh, the entire Kentucky Derby between two Zach Granke pitches at one point when he was in uh, Arizona with the Diamondbacks. And then also there was a clip of him right. uh, trying to ice a dude as soon as his second foot touched the batter's box and trying to keep it quick. Like, I just, we don't, we don't need a Kentucky Derby between pitches. No, absolutely not. You, you don't. And, and there, there are pitchers who are responsible for that and batters. Yep. You know, it's everyone yep. who's responsible. And the umpires are going to have to legislate this. And they'll, they'll, have to, they'll have to enforce it strictly early and that will train people and to do their to do the right thing and then then eventually it'll, you know, how often did you think about that uh, wristband and thing in the head hat after the first four days they did it you I didn't stopped. think about it at all no. and you'll quit thinking about pitch clocks and you'll quit thinking about bigger bases and you'll quit thinking about the shift after a while i mean it'll just be baseball again and and i think uh, that that's what they want they want it to just be crisp and quick and um a more palatable for all of those things you mentioned, the TV product, the fans at the stand, in the stands, everything. It, and I, I'm excited about it. Here's the thing. If things aren't going great, find a way to change it. Don't sit there and keep doing the same thing over and over again. And I'll credit baseball for trying something. Maybe not all the things will work. Maybe they'll take one of them away. I mean, they, they did the thing with the runner on second base, um, you know, a few years ago, and they're going to keep that around. And I, I, more you talk to people, they like this, especially in the minor leagues, because they do not want to wear out their minor league pitchers on games that aren't major league games. And mm-hmm. I, I think it's, I think see, these things are working okay. And, and it's just, listen, the world changed. There used to not be a DH. Now right. everyone's got a DH. Right. Just deal with it. It's okay. If it, if it is anything like the NBA and trying to enforce some of their new rules that they do every once in a while, they'll do it very heavily to start the season. Hmm. And then by about midway through, it'll be back to normal. 
<laughs> Could be. It's hard to change this clock, though, man. This clock's clock. going to be going, yeah. and you'll see it. It's in, it's in the scoreboard. I mean, there's a, there's a clock out there right now for the time between innings. I assume it'll be the same place at the K. You'll look up, and there's this pitch clock. And we were watching a college baseball game yesterday in Surprise. Oregon State plays games while we're out there. And uh, they've had the pitch clock in college baseball for a while. You sit there and watch it. That clock goes. You better get your butt in the box, and he better throw the ball, man. That's how it goes. Sure, because the NFL is really good about enforcing the timing on their play clock. Yeah. You know, I, we were sitting there. I was watching. The they might as well add negative night. seconds you know, they, to that thing. Took, I don't know how long they took on the Kansas game last night, like 30 seconds to figure they are going to put .8 seconds back on or off the clock. they got to fix that stuff in, in other sports, but we'll see about this pitch clock. I, I'm excited about the changes. I think it'll be fun for fans, for sure. I think both the NFL and Major League Baseball, to solve this problem that, that Beards has shined the light on, we just need shot clock horns in the other sports also. Yes. I want to know, if that ball is still in Max Scherzer's hand and it goes, I, we all find out together, that's a ball. Now, the first time the ball is in flight then, and that then happens, he turns around and he throws problem. it at the horn. Yeah. <laughs> right. He'll and, throw it at the horn. And maybe, and look, and Punch you know what? Fire. If you successfully plug the horn with a thrown baseball, then the, then the pitch clock Game is. Game over, you win. You win. There's pace of play. It's a, exactly. No, you, you it's, it's like Game a golden over. snitch kind of thing. You have the golden snitch. The game's game. over. You win. <laughs> uh, I like that a lot. Uh, Lebo. Everyone goes home. It's first inning. Whatever, man. Finish yeah, it. Yeah, that's the ball game. Sorry. We'll do a doubleheader and, you know, get a few a few more of these in here. And all of a sudden, Max Scherzer's got like <laughs> 100 wins in a season. He's, he's setting new records. Uh, give us a uh, great. give us a look great. at uh, what's coming up in the program today. What you know, Seren's going to have on the schedule, and then uh, what else we're going to hear from you guys down there in uh, in Surprise. Well, we've had a chance to talk and set up a lot of interviews. I don't know exactly what's going to be on all day today. Uh, Matt Quattaro was yesterday. I know we're going to catch up with JJ Piccolo. I think that's going to be tomorrow. Lots of uh, lots of fun stuff. You heard MJ Melendez talk about Paul Hoover. I know he's going to be on at some point. That's a name of this guy who's kind of like their kind of catching guru guy, mm-hmm. super interesting guy. It's It's been good. It's been really fun um, to talk to a lot of these guys because they're all brand new and they're all willing to kind of talk. And I'm going to suggest this for the people. I know yesterday, if, if you're a pitching person and loves all of the stuff that goes into it, Paul Gibson, who's their minor league roving pitching instructor, was excellent. He was on mm-hmm. in that. Uh, two o'clock hour, really good. If you're one of these guys who loves baseball prospects and to hear all that stuff, he was he was really interesting to talk to. So it's it's really cool to talk to these guys. They're excited about having these jobs and they're excited about the team. And it's spring, you know. Hope spring's eternal. That's always been the thing. Everyone's zero and zero right now. And we'll just see. How, like, the only bad news today, Drew Waters is hurt because I was really excited for him to get his chance. But you know that that's the way it works, man. No one stays healthy all the time. Now now we're really at spring training. The Jets are going over. I mean, yeah. Are you? That's, Are they in we're your near, We're by the Air Force Base, yeah. Okay. Well, it's we're, in, we're it's always near the Air Force Base here, and we were here Sunday, and nothing was happening, and yesterday was President's Day, so now we got the Jets, baby. It's really spring training in Surprise, Arizona. Love it. Couldn't think of a better note to end it on. Thank you, Lebo. All right. Talk to you guys soon. Todd Lebo, live from Surprise. We got the leaf blowers. We got the, the, the Jets overhead. We've got Hope Springing Eternal. 
And also, Drew Waters is out for like six weeks. But hey, you know, that's the that's the one piece of bad news today. It's mostly looking pretty good out there in Surprise. We'll take a break here on The Zone here on Sports Radio 810 WHB. Josh Briscoe and Beards McFly with you as Jason Anderson's out. And we'll I hope to have him back soon. We'll take a little time out and come back and... So we'll spin the wheel of topics. We'll pick something else to chat about uh, before we hand it over to Seren Petro, also there live from Surprise in about half an hour. More Zone next. The Zone with Jason Anderson. Oh, no. His measurables. On Sports Radio 810 WHB. Hey, Beards, help me out real quick on this. I'm down, I'm down here. I sat back down after watching the video feed. Standing energy all through the last segment in solidarity with uh, Todd Lebo joining us live from Surprise. Did we talk about the Tyree Kill tweet? No. Okay, let's do that. We haven't talked about any of that today. Partially because it's no longer even news when LaShawn McCoy goes on TV and bleep talks Eric Bieniemy. And to be honest, I did not even watch the actual clip of him being on um, uh, FS1 for whichever show it was. It wasn't. I don't think it wasn't the good one. So is there a good one? Yeah, I think so. But we could save that conversation for another day. LeSean McCoy goes on FS1 and talks about how actually Eric Bieniemy is not all that. Don't give him any of the credit. He's just a passenger. Blah 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 blah. And there are a handful of guys who have chimed in on this. There was one before Tyree Kill that I thought was funny. Uh, I don't. Do you, do you remember who it Jamal was? Beards? Charles. Jamal tweeted, Charles tweeted about it. Yeah, Ron, yeah. Uh, Ron Parker tweeted about Ron it. Ron Parker also did. Those are both good polls, Beards. Thank you. I almost said Rob Parker. That's somebody different. That's a different person entirely. They, right. they also work for Fox Sports, I think. I at least did at some point. Um, but yeah, Ron Parker, former Chief Safety, who I just have a lot of fond memories of. He was a fun player. Fun free safety type. I liked him back there. Uh, he tweeted about it, and then Jamal tweeted about it, which I've told the story many times. I think I mentioned it yesterday of talking to Jamal a year or two ago and going through the whole process of how he at one point stormed into Andy Reid's office and told him he needed to fire Eric Bieniemy, and now he's out here on Twitter um, defending Bieniemy in in front of the world, and they continue to stay in touch, and he calls him a great uh, father and husband, and all of those things that you know when you go and um, show exactly how far your relationship has come. Jamal being a guy out here saying that when Bieniemy was the running backs coach at that point, obviously that should be the end of the conversation. Jamal Charles started that relationship in a rocky fashion, and now. From everything we can tell, those guys love each other. I asked Bienemy about that story um, back in the whenever that was, and I talked to Jamal and I went and asked Bienemy about that, and, and he had similar things to say about Jamal Charles. So that I just read, I like retelling that story because that full circle of their relationship is very cool to me, and I've, I obviously have lots of love and respect for uh, Jamal Charles, and, and Chiefs fans I think have learned uh, to find their love and respect for Eric Bienemy as he's become a bigger and bigger part of this team. All that to say. The one tweet that really cleared the bar for me today was from none other than Tyreek Hill, who originally quote tweeted that clip with just a couple of laughing emoji, and then later tweeted, Shady Mad EB told him tuck that ball. And it's the funniest, it's the funniest possible thing. It's a great awareness by Tyreek Hill. 
because LaShawn McCoy holds that thing like a hoagie. And everyone can tell. Everyone can tell. Andy Reid had LaShawn McCoy back in Philadelphia. I don't think Andy Reid wanted to or frankly needed to be the guy to break the bad news to LaShawn McCoy. It really seems like it was Eric Bieniemy who said, hey man, you're just not that guy anymore. Sorry. And then maybe some other, you know, coaching elements or particularly the the tone who I don't know any of this. This is not me like kind of, you know, backdoor reporting and being like, maybe they had an altercation. I don't know any of that. No idea. But clearly that relationship was prickly in a way that it wasn't for other guys to the point that Tyreek Hill just says, Shady's Maddie B told him to tuck that ball. I find that hilarious. I also think it's kind of interesting that since the uh, most accurate quarterback to ever throw me a football conversation and the, the stat repressing and all of the things that that came with what didn't particularly need to be said uh, before this last football season began. Not including that, after all of that went down, the relationship between Tyreek Hill and the Chiefs and Chiefs players and Tyreek Hill has been very amicable. Which again, I think is another sign of just like, you know, a competent, good organization who's paying attention and generally tries to handle things well. Also winning a Super Bowl helps. Certainly does. But, like, throughout the playoffs, Tyreek was tweeting about, you know, Mahomes and Kelsey being the greatest duo of all time and still rooting for these guys and these being his teammates and all of that. And there was a great point. I, I think it was made by Mike Golick Jr. on Twitter who uh, who said, you know, in all of this, like, trash talk, nobody believed in us stuff that the Chiefs have been going through, none of them have ever said anything about how, you know, some people who used to play here didn't even think Patrick Mahomes was accurate enough to win another Super Bowl. There were no, like, there, that didn't happen. And, and Gol, uh, Golig's point was, uh, they must really, like, legit love Tyreek Hill, because that'd be a really easy rallying cry to add to nobody believed in us. It's, oh, a guy that we... Uh, we had a Super Bowl with here. He, he left and started bleep talking. And nobody did that to Hill. And outside of, you know, some of that stuff early on of, I think, him trying to get on the, the right, off on the right foot with his quarterback and, and then some podcast teasers that were not cut in very smart slash generous fashion, for my estimation. Mm, on purpose, maybe? Definitely on purpose, but I and I don't necessarily want to blame Hill individually for that because I'm guessing he wasn't out there in uh, in Adobe Premiere, you know, cutting his own teasers. Maybe he was. If I had Tyree Kill money, I would be paying someone else to do that for me. Maybe his passion's video editing. I don't know. But I just thought that that tweet was funny. It really puts a bow on a very very silly. Little revenge tour for LaShawn McCoy, who's probably going to just chase around Eric Bieniemy, booing him <laughs> from from a few rows back for a while, and and maybe he'll end up having maybe Bieniemy will end up having success, and and maybe not. But either way, it seems like uh, LaShawn McCoy has found a way to say the thing that gets some traction, and then former Chiefs players come out in droves and say that's a dumb thing that a guy said because his career essentially ended with Eric Bieniemy. 
potentially being the bearer of bad news that, that he didn't have the juice to be that guy anymore. Just a fun little snapshot into things going on right now on uh, on Chiefs Twitter. We need to take another quick time out, though, because we spent some time with Lebo live from Surprise. Again, Seren Petro will be live from Arizona starting at 2 o'clock. But we got about 10 minutes left of the zone, so don't you go anywhere waiting on waiting on the program. You just stay right here. We'll try to entertain you for a few more minutes, and uh, then the baseball talk can rule the day again. I, I have another clip from another current Chief, and also Mike Golick Jr. I didn't plan all that connection, but sometimes it just works out that way. We'll play that for you next you're in the zone this isn't exactly how i phrase it but this is the more concise way for me to be saying this this show's better when i prepare more (laughs) with jason anderson duh on sports radio 810 whb Beards, I guess I could have asked for this during the break and not had you jump for it, but can I get the breaking news sweeper whenever you just find it most appropriate thank you Beards. breaking news During the break, Josh Gordon quote tweeted Tyreek Hill, laughing emoji, high and tight through contact, finish, laughing emoji, yo! It uh, it makes me really happy. Sounds like he agrees. Yes, yes, and this is this is the crazy thing is that Lashawn McCoy is like the only player I've seen or heard from. Who has left Kansas City and been like, bleep Eric Bieniemy, man. Which also should be really, really telling about the head coaching acumen that he would, that he has clearly earned the right to at least try out. Like that to me makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Mike's hot over there, Beard. So you, uh, you and you and Adam and whatever your conversation is. We're is, good. All right. I just wanted to make sure that that you knew as uh I didn't, but thank you. That's all right. That's okay. I just, I wish Adam wouldn't have used so much profanity in there, but you know, once it's out over the air, it's out over the air. Um, with that being said, uh, a real quick tidbit here. I just saw this come through my Twitter timeline a, a minute ago, and uh, Mike Golick Jr. and the Gojo Show had uh, Trey Smith on, and uh, this is just a little tidbit. I'm, I'm guessing there's a lot more uh, conversation with them, so uh, an accidental promo for the Gojo Show. I like I like Golick's work, and uh, I like Trey Smith a lot, but this is a, a little snippet from Mike Golick Jr. and Trey Smith talking about how Trey Smith earned the enforcer role that he found as a member of this Chiefs offensive line how did you kind of find yourself in that role of enforcer so for me it's just like man i relish in the fact that i can put someone on their neck 10 yards down the field or molly walk somebody coming down a trap like that's what i live for you know being able to physically just you know assault a guy basically so it's definitely a ton of fun uh when you have that feeling you get a dominating block or you know you get a pancake block you're rolling or you drive someone on their back right in front of your sideline that's like one of the best feelings of football it doesn't get better now oh i'm getting fired up just listening to you talk about it i mean it's how good is that i just i want you to take that molly wop energy throughout the rest of your day here today kansas city that and this is another really like underrated part of a, a Super Bowl winning team in your city. I, I looked up, I saw Trent McDuffie on NFL Network on a screen in here earlier, and it's not the first. I mean, th- there are guys who are not getting, you know, they're at the podium plenty around here, but it's different environments to sit down for a one on one with a podcast and, and with a, you know, former O lineman who can talk to you about some of the nitty gritty stuff like that, or to be on NFL Network and, and be able to even put yourself out there a little more in this offseason. It, it is another aspect of being a Super Bowl champion, a, and like Trent McDuffie's case, no longer a rookie. 
These guys who are getting the experience of both going through the season, having the spotlight on them, dealing with that through an entire offseason, all of that is, is fun and maybe even helpful in its own right. But I just, I just like hearing Trey Smith talk about how he lives to mollywop dudes in the football field. Mollywop. Such a good word. I would like to incorporate that a little more in today's vernacular. I just want pancakes now. I'm still I'm still trying to find a, a big plate of whatever Teicher said he had in Arizona. I've since closed the tab because of like a self-preservation method. Because if I would have been thinking about that for the entire show, I, I don't know that I would have made it. Pancakes do sound pretty good, though. Appreciate everybody for being a part of the uh, the shenanigans today. Adam Teicher of ESPN, Myron Medcalf of ESPN, our own Todd Lebo out in Arizona. Thanks, Beards, on the side of the glass. I'm Joshua Briscoe. Hope to have Jason Anderson back tomorrow, literally day-to-day. Lit- I mean, it could be. We're just going to see how it goes. We're just going to see how it goes literally day-to-day. Seren Petro, literally, today in Surprise, Arizona. Program next. Bye, Mom.